0: Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we thank you for your Holy Scriptures written so long ago that give testimony, give witness to who you are and your love in this world. As we turn our attention and our hearts towards your Scripture this morning, May my words be your words, my heart to your heart. If anything I say is untrue, let it fall away from the ear, never to be retained. But if what is said is true this morning, write it on our hearts so that we may bear witnesses to your love and to your grace. In Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. I've always wanted to get a tattoo. Really, I did, since since I was really, really, really young. And uh, I was really excited about tattoos. I thought uh, I was enthusiastic about them. I appreciated the art. Uh, my parents did not share in my enthusiasm or appreciation of the art of tattoos. In fact, I remember them vividly saying, Chase, the rule is this. When you are 18 and you are no longer under our roof, then you can do what you would like. But until then, until then no tattoos. And, and kids, listen to this. I respected the house rules. But I remember every time that that conversation came up about tattoos, mom and dad would always remind me that it's permanent. Whatever you put on your body, it is permanent. Tattooing is the art that the Rizuk family brought to Palestine some five centuries ago from Egypt. Their family came to the Holy Land for a pilgrimage, but yet business was good, trade was good, and so they put roots down in the Holy Land. You see, the Razouk family, their ancestors tattooed uh, marks on Christian Coptic Orthodox church members in Egypt. They would do a tattoo of a cross right on the wrist. And with the cross symbol on the wrist, those who went to the church were able to gain access into the church. And those without the marks on the wrist had difficulty e- even entering into the church. Aren't we thankful that we have opened doors here at Paragould First United Methodist Church? There's a century-old tradition of tattooing in the Holy Land. It goes back in written records to at least the 1600s. There are some now 168 wooden designs that are carved with Coptic Christian tattoo outlines dating back to this period. You see, these blocks were used as stamps that outline the design of the pilgrim before the pilgrim receiving the tattoo. The blocks would be dipped in ink and then be placed on the pilgrim's arm, and then the tattooing would begin and the Razouk family has used these uh, stamps since the 17th century and still do today. After hearing their stories, I really wanted to meet the family. They are located in Old Jerusalem, and I was headed there. And so after a few emails and setting up a, a meeting with them, I then later discovered that Mr. Razouk rode motorcycles. And he used tattoos and motorcycles for ministry. So, you know, I had to meet them. This was a done deal. The first time that I, I went to their parlor, I went with 11 other pastors from our tort group. And it was a bit chaotic. It's only about 200 square foot. And the area was packed with those who were finishing up their tattoos. Those waiting to get tattoos and just tourists visiting the tattoo parlor. It was so chaotic that I went back the next night, and it was a little bit slower. So Mr. Razouk said, come between my two appointments, and we'll sit down and talk for a little bit. So I got to visit with Mr. Razouk Sr. before his next appointment. And our conversation was so good, and it went a little bit long, that his next appointment showed up. And she invited me to stay there and continue in the conversation with... Mr. Razouk and she sat there as as the outline of her tattoo was being placed on her arm and right before they began the tattooing process, she said, I'm kind of intrigued about the stamps and about why you're here talking to Mr. Razouk. Mr. Razouk, what got you into tattooing and why are you being interviewed? And with a slight smile, Razook asked her, Have you not heard our story? Have you not heard our story? Now, if you do the research, this family has been interviewed by tourist companies, by international tattoo shops, and featured by social media influencers all over the world. In fact, if you just Google them, all their information is on their webpage. Have you not heard our story? She said, no, I was just walking by and noticed that there was a tattoo shop and I thought she had a couple of cool designs, so I made an appointment. Razouk said, tattooing is a family thing. I didn't want to do it at first, but I'm good at it. And I believe that God has led me to be a tattoo artist. A little confused, she sat back in the chair. She said, really? God led you to be a tattoo artist? How do you think so? And Rizuk smiled and said, you see, we have yet to begin your tattoo. And we have still a long ways to finish it. And you haven't heard my story. So as I finish it, with your permission, I'm going to share you my faith. Because you are in a place where God has brought his love to the world. And that was through the cross. That is the emblem that you're putting on your body. This cross represents Jesus and God's love. And if you like, for a minute, I want to tell you about God's love. In an ancient shop, in an ancient town, a tattoo artist was a witness in his tattoo parlor. In the 1980s, Father Gregory Boyle began to preach from the Dolores Mission Church in one of the poorest parts of Los Angeles. At this appointment, Boyle wrestled and witnessed with the existing gang violence in his new community. Teenagers, even children, were killed every week due to gang violence. And there was an overall mood of hopelessness in the community. But Boyle decided to use his religious training to address these terrifying problems. He reformed the church's rules and and made a point of welcoming all people. It doesn't matter what you look like, what you're wearing, it doesn't even matter if you're a gang member. You are invited to come to Mass. He also founded a school program for gang members who had been kicked out of their ordinary schools. And finally, a few years later, with the help from others, he founded a nonprofit called Homeboy Industries. And this company was designed to provide employment, psychiatric counseling, and other services for ex-gang members looking to change their lives. Boyle's memoir is structured around a dozen of young people where he had encounters with throughout the years. And each chapter describes a different gang member and an ex-gang member's experience. It talks about how Boyle met them and lessons that they gained from his teaching. The book is called Tattoos on the Heart. And Boyle, being a priest, is still engaged in this kingdom work right there in the heart of L.A. This kingdom work, this, this kingdom, the family that God creates in the community, he's still engaged in that work. And this book is raw and powerful. And you see transformation of lives take place take place, word after word, chapter after chapter. What's great is, along with the testimonies of the ex-gang members, you find that Boyle himself experience their witness to what God has done in their lives, and he himself is challenged and changed. Boyle, a priest, is a witness to God's love in a unique vocation. The ex-gang members are witnesses to God's presence in their lives. Getting tattoos in Israel... Stories of violence and gang members in Los Angeles, these stories can sound somewhat outside of our norm, perhaps a little bit unsettling. But their stories are a small part of a larger story. In our focused text this morning in Acts, we only get a piece of a larger story. We skipped over some exciting stories surrounding Peter's trial, and we don't even get the entire trial. We just get Peter's defense. This trial, the exciting story surrounding it, the irrational response after Peter's defense shows us this, that the powers that be don't like change. And yet, Peter's trial takes place in this Easter season. And what is Easter, a season, Easter event, but change in a dynamic and a historical form? Easter is unsettling. Easter is unsettling for those who experience it, for the powers that be that called for Jesus' silence And even for those who supported Jesus' ministry, Easter is unsettling. It is today for the world because Easter is life changing. And as Christians, as Easter people, we bear witness to the Easter event. In our focus text this morning, Peter declares his defense We are witnesses. We are witnesses. They told him that he wasn't supposed to teach in the name of the crucified one, and yet he did. What's his defense? We are witnesses. He says, I saw something, and I have to talk about it. I participated in something, so I have to share what I participated in. He goes on to say this, that that I became something new because of what happened, and there is nothing that can stop me from being a witness. When Peter says that we are witnesses, it does not simply imply that he's telling what he saw or what happened to him. It also means that now he has become something new, something more. He has been changed and now he has to live a life that proclaims every day of this witness, of the good news of what Jesus has done. So every word that Peter says, every encounter that Peter has, every action that Peter does, he is witnessing what defines his new life in Christ. And he does so in a profound way. Peter continues to walk this path as a witness. And he discovers later in in Scripture that sometimes being a witness takes work. And we all discover this as we seek to be deeper disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of this world. There is nothing simple about it. There's nothing easy about it. The phrase we say this morning, we are witnesses, that's simple. But it's not easy, living each and every single day, representing Jesus Christ. Representing the one that we proclaim with our words. Representing the one who has invited us to live a life of hospitality by being hospitable to others. The one who has exemplified living a living life geared towards reconciliation, having to reconcile with others. It isn't always easy. But thankfully, there is more to Peter's defense than we've drawn attention to thus far. Peter says, we are witnesses, and then he goes on. He says, we are witnesses, and so is the Holy Spirit that God has sent us. If we focus on the first part of Peter's defense, we make it sound like it's all up to us, that it's up to ourselves to be witnesses, that it's up to ourselves to be the disciples of Jesus Christ we we think we should be. But if we start with the second half of the defense, we find that it isn't up to us. It is not our work that makes us better disciples. It's not our work that makes us witnesses. In fact, if you asked the Razouk family or Father Boyles or any of the ex-gang members connected with Homebodies, Inc., or even in Glory when you ask Peter, they will say that we have borne witness because God has put into action through the power of the Holy Spirit empowering us to be witnesses to be who we are called to be. And this, my friends, is the bigger story. When we start with God's action first, then we get to experience something new. We don't just do good works and be a witnesses because we're supposed to. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we are given a desire, a passion to be witnesses of the good news it's a privilege to be a living pointer towards the kingdom of god look what god is doing in our community come and see and experience and know jesus there's a both and quality to this task of being witnesses in christ we are new we have a new identity there's an effort in our part to work to be to work to be done on our end we are witnesses but there's also support there's support and strength, and equipping that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's this divine presence that is with us always, and it's most experienced when? Right now. Right now. When we gather together as a faith community, we bear witness to the Holy Spirit at work, working within our lives, working within our church, empowering us to be witnesses beyond the doors that are behind us. To be witnesses is to step up to the plate and acknowledge that the kingdom looks a little bit different than what we see today. And we do. We want to be a part of the efforts that move us closer to what God intends for the human community to be. And in doing so, God has written on our hearts the love of Jesus. And when God writes something on our hearts, it never goes away. In baptism, God has marked us with God's grace forever. Kind of like a tattoo. It can't be removed. The Holy Spirit leads us to live and to share the love of Christ with others. And in doing so and naming the difficulties, sometimes we face challenges. Sometimes those challenges come by others. Sometimes those challenges come from ourselves. When we see the question, why do we continue in our faith? Why should we bear witness? When we face our own trials... I hope our response is like the Razouk family, perhaps Father Boyles, perhaps the folks from Homeboy Industries, and perhaps like Peter's, that we can say, it is by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are witnesses. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at www.fumcparacle.org. May God bless you this week.